you are among a people who will not rest until the entire community in which we live, until the entire college that's in our town can sing that because of what Jesus has done on the cross, because the tomb is empty and there is good news to tell, that everybody can sing from the bottom of their hearts, I will rise when he calls my name. Amen? Amen. And his, your name is on his lips. Question is, is his on yours? That's what we're about. We're going to have a great morning. Good morning. Welcome to Bethany. My name's Tom. Thank you, Ryan. Praise God for you and your ministry. The children are not dismissed for Children's Church. They're staying here with us. We're going to keep it G-rated. It's going to be fine. Don't worry. I got the filter on. It's all good. It's all good. This is week four, final week of Holy Spirit Unleashed. We're going to keep going through Acts, but it's got a different emphasis for us next week. Before we, before we dive in, I want to uh, ask uh, Brad Wick. Brad, would you mind uh, standing here? This, uh, this man has poured his heart and his life and his faith into so many of us. Um, I just want to uh, pray for him. If there's anybody particularly close to Brad or wants to, I invite you here to put your hand on him. Uh, Brad, this last week, um, lost his dad, was staying with him. He was caring for him. His name was Don, a man of faith uh, and a man of witness. And uh, he has poured that into his son, who is doing great things. And we just uh, we want to bear each other's burdens. And we want to lift up uh, those who are hurting. And when you hurt, man, we hurt because we're connected. We're one body. So let's pray for our brother. Father, we know that death sorry, was not part of your original plan. Lord, that you died to overcome sin, Satan, and death. We know you are the God of all comfort. And Lord, we know you are acquainted with broken hearts. And Lord, right now, we ask that you send the great comforter, the Holy Spirit, in great measure to fill Brad, to fill Cindy, to fill their family, to overflow, that even in the midst of grief, that they may know peace, that they may know joy, that they may know hope, because we do not grieve as those who do not have hope, because you rose, and we will rise when you call our name. Thank you for calling Don's name and that he is celebrating with you now. We celebrate here even in the midst of pain. And may every truth of your goodness and your compassion be evidenced through our voices, our countenance, our hands and our hearts for our brother and our sister. Lord, we're going to hold each other up as you hold us up until we're before your throne together in glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Tom. All right, we got work to do. Enough of this weeping stuff. All right, there's going to be a day when we don't do that anymore. But, you know, we live in a broke world, but we have, uh, we have a risen Savior, so that is a great, great thing. We're going to get there. How you doing? Good. You doing good? You don't sound good. How you doing? Good, all right. Acts chapter 2. If you have a Bible, I want you to open it there. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to have a Bible. There's one under the seat in front of you, maybe. 
<laughs> they're sporadically spread out. If there isn't one there, I'd ask you to raise your hand. We have uh, somebody who'll bring you one. Tim will bring you one. We got Bibles in the back. If you don't have a Bible and you want to have a Bible at home, uh, take it with you. You don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to sign it out. It's yours to keep. We want one in every home, one in every heart, one in every hand. So uh, it's, it's free. You take it. It's good. Uh, this message is the glorious life, the radiant church. Um, I just want you to know that before we get rolling, it's like five after already, maybe 10 after. So like when you look at your watch, when this thing is done and you're all blessed and God has broken us all and put us back together, I don't want you blaming me for the lateness, okay? Because we're, we got a lot of stuff. God's already moving. Okay. So glorious life, radiant church, Acts 2. I'm excited. These scriptures call us to examine, examine very carefully how we do church, how we do life, how we do faith. And, and it's more than just examining that. We're taking a look at how the early church did it. We get a glimpse of that. We get a taste of that. We get to visit that. But more than that, it's an invitation for us to take a look at that and the stark contrast between how the early church did all of that and how we do all of that. It's an invitation for us to let go to let go of all the things that we think we know about how to follow Jesus Christ, about how to be church, about how to do life and do it the way God calls us to do it. I am ready to be broken of my preconceptions about how the church, how the body of Christ is supposed to look and act. And I want God's idea of that. And he invites us all to do that this morning. I'm really, I'm really excited. Uh, So uh, it's much more than we can imagine. I want to pray and we'll get right to work. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for your spirit being here. Lord, we ask that that be multiplied. We ask that your presence just fall upon your people. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your compassion, your grace, your mercy. Lord, I want my eyes open, my ears open, my heart open. We all do. So that we might receive your word, Lord, and we might respond to it. And and Lord, we want to be filled with your spirit. We want the early church to be like this church. We want this church to be conformed. We want to be moldable clay, Lord. And to do that, I, I pray against the enemy. I pray against his servants, their works and effect. I pray for the Holy Spirit to, to overwhelm us this morning, that you would open eyes, hearts, minds, reveal yourself and change us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, okay, Acts 2. Here we go. We're going to... We're going to, we went through verse 41 uh, last week. So we're going to pick it up at 42. We're going to read the passage. And then I'm going to share with you how uh, Luke unpacks this passage for us. And I think you'll see what God really wants for us this morning. So let's pick it up at 42. Here it is. Follow along with me. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is all, this is not just 120 that were in the upper room. This is the 3,000 that were just uh, added, to, added to the family of God, okay? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Verse 43, and awe 
came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amen. This is a beautiful, powerful, transforming picture of the early church. And we could dismiss this as that's just how Jesus wanted his church to be when he was starting out. I disagree. I disagree. I think he's calling every church in every place to respond to him, to respond to the Holy Spirit as this church did so that he might pour out his spirit more and more and do the wonderful things that he did then in our midst for the advancement of his kingdom and for the glory of his name. Okay, so this has a lot, a lot for us to do. Um, The first reaction might be, Normal churches don't do this. Normal churches aren't as passionate as this. Normal churches don't respond to God and each other this way. And I would ask you, where in Scripture does God call us to be a normal church? His church is is, is spotless and radiant and beautiful because he pours it out. He founds it. He develops it, he advances it, and it needs to reflect his glory. We're not called to be normal. And most of you are following that command beautifully. We've got a lot of abnormal folks here. But I want our fellowship, I want this body to be so consumed with God, so lit on fire with his love for him and for each other and for those who are far from him, that we look the way he intended us to look. This is the church as Jesus dreamed it should be. This is the church that Jesus died so it could be. This is the church that Jesus poured out his spirit and continually pours out his spirit so that we can be for him and for his kingdom's sake and for those who have yet to come to the point where they can say, I will rise when he calls my name because of what he's done. Amen. So we have... A, what, I, what I'll describe in food terms, oddly, uh, oddly enough, uh, as, a, as, a, as a sandwich of blessing, if you will, here. And I want you to take a look. I know we started in verse 42. We, we finished with verse 41, but we're going to give you 41 again free this morning. I want you to see 41 and 47 as the pieces of bread um, on which this sandwich is built, if you will. 41 says, So those who received this word were baptized, and there were added, were added. God is doing the adding. God calls people to himself. God does the saving. Okay? That day, about how many? 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. It's like half our town. Converted in one day. God hasn't gotten any weaker since then. God has not gotten any less desirous of reaching and loving and forgiving and setting free and saving those who are far from him than he was on that day. This is the top piece of bread. No open-faced sandwiches here. 
okay? Bottom piece of bread, 47. Look, and the Lord again added. He did it. It was his work to their number. How, how often? Day by day, those who were being saved. So aside from this huge landslide, this huge avalanche of faith and salvation that came upon the people that started to change the world, in on top of that, day by day, every single day, he added those who were being saved. Okay, so this is what God is doing. This is what God is doing. He is calling, just as we, as we saw in verse 39, This promise is for you, everyone who is far off, your children, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. We see that. We see that happening. We see the truth of Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus says this, and I tell you, you are Peter upon this rock. I will build my church. Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we want Jesus to build his church right here through Bethany in Gunnison, to the ends of the earth. We're not stopping, although our purpose statement says we want the town and the college to know Jesus Christ. When we get done, when Jesus gets done with that, it's going to go through the county. It's going to go through the state. It's going to go through the country until it reaches the ends of the earth, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. His name will be praised, and shame on us. Shame on us if we can take that great message, that great thing he's placed in us, and bottle it up and keep it for ourselves and keep quiet. Because if we don't, the rocks will cry out. Ain't no rocks going to cry out when we're around. All right? We're going to do it. He's going to do it. Okay, here we go. We got to get in. We got to get in. We're going to see how this works between these two statements, how the church lived after they'd been added and called. Verse 42 is kind of a summary We're going to spend some time there. We're going to unpack that and then see the results of that, okay? Here we go. I just got a little excited. I know Sheree's going, he he hadn't flipped the first page, and I know he's got more than one. Okay. It's okay, sweetie. Thank you. Verse 42 is kind of a summary of how the church responds to that, filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to take a look at that. We're going to see what that means for us. Let's look at 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Okay, they're devoted people. We want to talk about the fact that they're not a half-hearted people. They are devoted. They are all in. No half measures, no half-heartedness, no dipping their toe in the water. These people are in it to win it. This is it. They have given themselves. They have not just given a part of their Sunday. They have not just given, um, you know, a part of their bedstand for their Bible. And, and you lift it up and you see the dust around the outside and it's real clean below there. They haven't just done a little bit. They said, if he is God, if Jesus is God, and he is, then he deserves everything. Every emotion, every passion, every dollar, every, every relationship, every plan, they devoted themselves devoted. What are we devoted to? You were devoted to the nuggets until earlier this week, right? Right? Because I saw people, you you weren't. Brian knew. Brian knew it was going to fall apart. But some of you were devoted, you know, you hung on there every basket, every rebound. Some of you were devoted to the Broncos. Nearly none of you were devoted to the Rockies, and that's okay. Um, You're devoted. You devote yourself to sports. You play sports in high school, maybe. And and the coach says, we're going to practice every day, and we're going to practice for two 
hours a day, and, and you need to eat right, and you need to exercise, and you're going to devote yourself to that, and you go, okay. And Jesus says, all right, 24-7, here's the terms, 24-7, 100% all the time, okay? Because that's what I did for you, and I am God. He's worth nothing less and so much more. And we don't do it to earn his approval. We do it because of what he's done for us. We do it in gratitude. We do it for faith. We, you know, that's, that's the difference between religion and Christianity. Religion says, you better do, 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 do. You might gain God's approval. And don't, 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 don't. Man, if, you're, if your faith has become a checklist, check the book. Check grace. This is what grace says. You can't do, do, do. And you can't don't, don't, don't. In my Holy Spirit, because of my finished work on the cross, guess what? You have approval. If you receive me, if you, you have my blessing. You have my love. You are in great standing. Because you have this identity, respond to that. Let me live fully through you. Guess what? You want to do, do, do. Not to earn his approval, but because you have his approval. Sounds like you're splitting hairs. It is the difference of, it's a polar opposite. It is a polar opposite. Okay, we're going to flip the page. Here we go. They're devoted. They're devoted. Some of you are devoted to your pets. It's crazy. Be devoted to God the way you're devoted to your pets. How do you know if you're over-devoted to your pets? Does your dog have a middle name? (laughs) Sitting among us, I happen to know. I didn't even have to use my pastor's superpowers. This person is, is proud of it. If your dog has a middle name, you might be too devoted to your pet. (laughs) Sri has four purses, which she has engineered differently, so our pet never has to leave us. It even, what? End of last year made an appearance at church as a prop. You might be devoted. We're devoted to so many things. They were devoted to the Lord. They were devoted to their fellowship. Let's see what they were devoted to. To the apostles teaching. So the apostles are among them. They are devoted to the apostles' teaching. What is the apostles' teaching? It's right here. It's the person, the work, the ministry of Jesus Christ and his life in the church, the Holy Spirit. It is the Word of God, right? So they're teaching it, and we're, we're studying it. We're learning it by the, by the truth of God, by the Spirit of God, We have his word. We're devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. This is the first thing they're devoted to. They are craving the word of God. How much do you desire the word of God? We can have this church. We can have this if we allow the filling of the Holy Spirit to create in us a deep desire, a deep yearning for the word of God. What do we want? We can't make it through the day without. Can't make it without your coffee in the morning. I'm a bear before I have my third cup or whatever you are. Okay, some of you, some of you are, are, are trying to kick the smoking habit, but you say, man, if I don't get a cigarette like every three hours, I can't function. Okay, you, some of you can't, can't imagine ending your day without watching some television. What are, you, what are you craving? What do you have to have? What we're seeing here is that the early church was passionately craving the word of God. The word of God. And 
We're not talking about craving warm fuzzies, spiritual kind of messages. We're not craving the angel talk and the hometown happenings. We're not craving Oprah and the Course in Miracles. We're not craving messages that don't really come from God's Word, but they sound like God's Word. They sound like um, um, stuff like um, preachers that would get up and say, uh, okay, y'all, Think positive thoughts and send out positive energy and be positive and God loves you. Let's pray. No. We need the life-giving word of God through the word of God. The heavens and the earth and all creation came into being by the word of God. Jesus is, is the word made flesh. We need it. We hunger for it. We thirst for it. Do you need it? Do you hunger for it? Do you fill in your hunger with other things? So if we want to be like the early church, let's crave the word. Let's, let's pig out on the word of God. Okay. I remember, I remember um, growing up, I, I grew up Catholic. I love, I love uh, I'll, you know, there are a lot of <laughs> very faithful uh, brothers and sisters. I was eight years old. We had uh, Father O'Connor. And he really didn't seem that excited about the word of God. He wouldn't like... Uh, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. (laughs) I'm like, dude, (laughs) tell your face, (laughs) tell your voice. (laughs) Let me just tell you, if you're visiting here and you go to, to a place in a church where the people don't get excited about the Word of God, and when they share the Word of God, they're not thrilled to your toes, I run. I'd run because they don't know the, the, the power, the power that they're, that they're dealing with here. And we, we want to be, be humble. Uh, but we have here, you have in your hands now, I pray, uh, the word of God. And, and, and I want you to treasure it. I want you to, uh, that we're going to live here. So um, good, good. We're going to move on. Devotion to, they were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to the fellowship. This is a weird word that we use. And I was talking to Matt about this. And, and, and because that's the word that's used in Scripture, um, we, you know, we, we, we talk about fellowship, and we have some really weird uh, concepts of what that is. That's not awkward conversation over a bad casserole, okay? It's more than that, okay? It can be that, but it's more than that. It's more than a warm handshake and a bulletin when you come in the door. Thank God we have that, but it's more than that. It's, it, it's more... It's more than what we've experienced. It is more than coming together on a Sunday morning in the same place. It is doing life together. It is doing the details and the messiness and the ugliness and the hurtingness and the blessing and and everything. It is doing life together. Sometimes we don't even want to sit with each other. I mean, think about it. If we had f- twice the number of chairs, we had 400 chairs in here, I bet we'd be spread out like shotguns, you know? Why? Because in us is not that spirit. And I confess this, I'm broken over this. They were devoted to the fellowship. They needed to be together. They wanted to be together. The spirit that was in them yearned to be one with those who were in Christ. Do we crave that? Or can we 
Can we get by on just a sampling of it, just a taste? They couldn't stand to be apart from one another. Because when they were together, there was church. That's the one place where I am fully accepted. The one place where I am lifted up. The one place where I am encouraged. The one place where people care and hold me accountable because they want me blessed. The one place where I don't have to put on a facade in order to be accepted. Is that this place? It was that place. The one place. Or is this... Do we have a tendency to make this the place where you got to scrub yourself up and look like you're done before you can fit in? You have to behave and then believe and then belong. No. In the early church, they belonged in terms of we want you near us. And, and the, more, the more sin you got, the more welcome you are because we got the one who can wash you clean. All right? This isn't, a, this isn't the holy huddle. It is that, but it's more than that. It's a place where we can invite people into the blessedness of a relationship with Christ that can bring them from death to life, from darkness to light, from despair to hope, from lost to saved. They needed that. They needed to be together. They wanted to be together. They were going to do life together. Okay, here's one of the reasons we sit in a circle. Here's one of the reasons we sit in a circle. It's, it's theater-style seating where we all kind of look at the back of somebody else and say, is that wrong? No. But what we wanted to do, what we still want to do, is, is for you to connect with Jesus. And, and, and some people had difficulty with that, and I, I understand that. They said, well, we want to focus on Jesus Christ. We want to focus on Jesus Christ, and this is distracting. And what they meant by that was we wanted to focus alone on Jesus. You have to look at Jesus now. You have to engage with Jesus, not only in the Word, not only in the preached Word, but in the body of Christ. And my friends, if you can't see Jesus in the people in whom he lives, then you can't see him. Jesus never called us to be in isolation. The great punishment of John was he was exiled onto the island of Patmos. And Jesus came. Jesus came and appeared because it is not good for believers to be isolated from one another. And yet some of us seem to want the isolation. Don't long for the isolation. I want to I want to experience the beauty of fellowship that I have only scratched the surface of. I want a love and a longing for you and you for each other that is transforming, that we simply can't live without. When we go on vacation, for us to be counting down the days until we can be together again because we're fed by that, the body of Christ together. When we understand what the body is, we don't want to be diced up and separated. We long to be together. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. Don't you love our God? (laughs) He likes his people to eat. 
He reveals himself in the breaking of the bread. In the breaking of the bread, we see the Lord's Supper, right? But we also see people wanting to engage in deep fellowship. Because when you share a meal with someone, you get, you get, okay, I got the build up. Well, when you break, share a meal, you break through, right? We enter into deep fellowship with each other. So even if you're an intense biblical scholar, you can't tell the difference between them celebrating the Lord's Supper and them having friends over within the family of faith to eat dinner. You can't tell because they were doing both and they were doing all of it all the time. And Jesus selected these things, bread and wine. He says, every time you do it, celebrate me, remember me. Because not only in their church services would there be bread and wine, the broken bread and the cup, but on your tables, every time you eat a sandwich, lift it up. Every time you you eat or drink together, it's a celebration. Okay, we're going to move, I promise. Breaking of the bread, bring out the folding chairs. Is your house empty? We should be together all the time, all the time. We're not. Ed, Edward, we don't know you very well. I want to change that. Well, I'm out of town next week, but I hope maybe our families can get together soon. Is that okay? We have food at our house. We'll burn some meat. We'll get to know you. We'll love on you. Is that okay? I don't know him well, and I'm not okay with that. Are you? Are you? We got three or four people, and we're just going to surround ourselves with them. There were 3,120 by my last count. But Jesus is adding daily, so, you know, it wrecks all the calculations. They don't know one another, but they're devoted to the Word. They're devoted to one another with an uncommon devotion. They want each other at their kitchen tables. They want to do life together. Okay, here we go. Thanks, man. And the prayers. Why? Because the 120 got together and they were praying and the spirit fell and they've been overwhelmed by all the miraculous things God has done and they know that Jesus was a man of prayer. He called us to prayer. He called us to commune with him. He was interceding for us in prayer. We can do more than pray, it's been said, but we can't do more than pray until we've prayed. And if we really knew what happened when we bowed our knees and called upon the name of the Lord as a body, if we really understood that, we'd do nothing else. We'd be so consumed with prayer. We offer you Wednesday nights at 7. I will tell you, I will tell you, it is Josh Pierce can give you testimony as can others. It is the most powerful thing that happens in this church bar none. Bar none. You need victory in your life. You need comfort. You need to stand with people who will stand with you when they're hurting. You need to be bathed in the Holy Spirit. You need to be encouraged. You need to be refocused. You need to be loved on. You need to be forgiven. You need to... Wednesday night. It's not the only time, but we come together and we do that. And I implore you, we got to do it. We've seen people come to Christ almost every, each week, every month. We, because there's like a small number. If our church prayed... Oh, get out of the way. Revival would come. 
people would be driving off the road, coming into your house and saying, whatever you got, I need it. Whatever you got, I want it. And his kingdom would go forth. And we'd stop being a normal church. All right. Here's what came out. Awe came upon every soul. They were awestruck. They had a fear of God that is blessed and holy and loving and righteous. And and they, they knew that they were walking with the God who created all that we can see and all that we can't see. That he was indwelling us. That his word was just as powerful. And they were awestruck. That we tremble in his presence. At the same time that we know he is our, he's our Lord, he is our Savior, he's the lover of our souls, we're still in awe. We don't lose the awe in our familiarity. And they had that. And we live in the environment of God can. God can. God can. You got a bad situation? God can. Even if it takes a whole, a whole lifetime and you don't see the evidence, God can. Though every circumstance would line itself up against the fact that he can, he can. And even if the can means he can give you strength to walk with each other in the power of his Holy Spirit to walk through it and show the world what suffering is meant to look like when it glorifies God, God can and God will. So that, okay, we're in verse 43. Don't, don't leave me, don't leave me. Okay, here's what came out, verse 43. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. We're living in a time of too few wonders, too few signs. And what have we done? We've adjusted our theology to accommodate our lack of faithfulness. Okay? I'm gonna lay it right out there. And, and my friends, if you're like me and you're Baptist, You're prone to this. When God doesn't show up and God doesn't do what God only can do, which God did through Scripture, which God promises to do through His Holy Spirit, and we don't see that, we adjust our theology to accommodate our lack of faith and lack of faithfulness. God's power is not diminished. God's will to show off and show Himself strong and to do that, which only God can do, is still alive, it's still possible, and a powerless church is a heretical church. Because the word of God is powerful, the spirit of God is powerful, and if we don't see the spirit and the power of his word, then be broken over it. Don't adjust your theology to explain why nobody's being saved and nobody's being healed and no marriages are being restored and people aren't leaving their old life. It's because we haven't been broken. The spirit hasn't changed. The word hasn't changed. The plan hasn't changed. We've changed. Let it break us and create in us the heart that was in that early church. Okay, we're moving on. Many wonders and signs were done upon the, among the apostles for all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They were selling their possessions, belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, the more wealthy you are, the more this verse will creep you out. The more stuff, you want to know how much stuff people have? Look at who's twitching right now. Yeah, it's a great, Marge. He's telling us the early church was a bunch of commies. I knew they put the circle. I knew things were wrong. (laughs) No, I'll tell you what. This isn't communism. You know what communism is? Communism is this. You have a cool car, Brenton. That's mine. (laughs) No. No. Communism is that. This This is the spirit of God working in people. All that I have comes from God. He has given me the power to get wealth. Everything, all the earth belongs to him. All the earth and everything in it. All my stuff belongs to him. 
That means all my stuff is yours. Everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ belongs to everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ. All right? Say it with me. Everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ, it's easy, we repeat ourselves, okay? Everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ belongs to everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ. If my foot is poor, my hand and my head ain't doing so good. Do you understand? What if, what if, they say, well, you know, if you're getting real defensive, you're saying, well, God didn't mean for for private property to not exist and wealth to not exist. I agree. This is voluntary. Only if you're obedient to the Holy Spirit. This is voluntary. Where was I going? (laughs) No, there was a point here, and I'm getting to it. Is that... What if, in God's great wisdom, he has poured out enough material monetary blessings so that everyone in this body might have every single need met? What if, what if he has, in his wisdom, poured out exactly enough, in fact, more than enough, for everybody in this body to have every one of their physical needs met, their emotional needs? But what if? He has distributed it only to some and asked those some to be as he is and redistribute. What if? What if there was a church in this town where people heard everybody has their electrical bill paid? Do you know why? Because they won't let somebody hurt as long as somebody's doing good. Nobody is losing their house. You know why? Because they can't stand the people that they love to hurt while they have something to do about it. You know what that might look like? It might look like the kingdom. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get rid of pride. Pride, pride will uproot everything. You got pride on one side that says, "This is all mine. I earned this." Oh, really? God has given you power to get wealth. Everything you have belongs to God. There's pride on the other side that says, I don't want you to know my need. It's hard for me to receive. This is a dangerous kind of pride. Men are particularly susceptible to it. How do I know about it? Looking in the mirror, baby. It's hard for people to know we're vulnerable. We can't provide. Get to that place. That's humility to be able to say, I have a need. I need help meeting it. That is a deceptive form of pride. Here's why. Because until we get to that place, we can't receive Jesus Christ truly and fully. Because to do so, we have to say, absolutely nothing I can do to earn life with you. You can't walk with Jesus after that because everything is grace. Everything is unmerited favor. It's a great life, but you got to be good at being destitute. You got to be good at not being prideful. He can do that. We need to be broken to that point on both sides. And they sold stuff. They sold stuff. This is a crazy love they have for each other. Crazy love, redistributing, living life with an open hand. We have a benevolence fund here. We have a benevolence fund here 
at the church for doing for people who are in tough spots. It's tough to do, though, to give over and above when our budget to date is about 18000 behind. Now, either God has not given enough to his people to do his work and to give over and above to cover all the needs of all the people. Either God just didn't calculate right or we're living life like this instead of like this. You say, well, God, if God blesses me more, I'll give more. Where's the faith in that? He's not glorified in that. He's saying, I will give because God gives. I will be generous because God is generous. When we meet him in that faith, he pours out. If you don't give when you have little, you will not give when you have lots. It is not a function of your bank account. It is a function of your heart. This church was given to people who had need that they didn't even know. They were just introduced to these 3,000 people. And they were selling their stuff. Look at the next, look at the next chapter. In, uh, in Acts 4 and 34, there was not a needy person among them. Not one. Randomly select 3,120 people. And there's not going to be a need. Sure there was need. You like the prosperity gospel? You got to throw it out. Because there was need. It was met. It was met. God blessed his people with his people. He didn't just, you know, everybody started playing the lottery and everybody won. He blessed them with each other. He's crying out, the solution to some of this church is in your garage. The solution to the needs of this church may be your vacation home. The solution to this church may be your fifth iPod or whatever you got. iPhone, that i stuff. That Mac is of the devil anyway. I'm an HP guy. Hear that, Matt? Okay. I got to see if you're awake. You know, when I preach long, I got to see if you're awake. Listen to 34, verse 4. There was not a needy person among them. For as many who were owners of lands and houses sold them. You could see some people going, I'm glad he didn't say condos. Um, <laughs> lands and houses <coughs> sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. And they laid it at the apostles' feet and they distributed to everyone as they had need. The Spirit so worked in them that they said, I don't want needless luxury in my life if part of my body is going hungry. There are people sitting with us this morning who are one month away from losing their house. There are people sitting with us this morning who are about to have their electricity turned off. There are people sitting with us this morning who are here because the potluck is the best meal that they're going to have all week. And we're living life like this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for providing for me more than I need. Can you see yourself standing before him? Him saying, oh, yeah. That's why I provided that windfall. So you could have that house that's bigger than Solomon's temple that he built for me. So you could have cars that you never drive so that you could have vacations that you don't need, so that you could go out to eat when somebody doesn't have to eat? You give first. We're, okay, I got to break it to you. We're not, by and large, a generous people. We're not. 
because we haven't indulged in the generosity of God. We don't trust that he's going to cover us when we do what he's called us to do. We don't believe it. And so we go hungry and thirsty and broken and homeless without lights, without food. And the spirit of God is broken. The early church wasn't like that. Here's the hope. It's great. They did. They, okay, we're moving. We're moving. We're going to finish. We, we really are. They received their food. Don't you love God? Don't you love God? He's saying they're, they're talking about eating all the time. He's saying, they're, you know, they're eating. They're deep fellowshipping. They received their food with glad, with glad and joyful hearts, right? And they have favor with all the people, not just the people in the church. Why? Because they're inviting other people who are outside the faith, who are outside the family of God. They're inviting them to come and partake. Come experience this awesomeness. Because it's for you. And people say, I have never known a love like this. I have never seen a people like this. I have never known that this could exist. And you're inviting me into this. I must know your God who lives in you. I need this. I can't survive without this. Why? Because it's real. It's genuine. It goes through the the body of Christ. And you're inviting me into it. When I am so far from what your God stands for, yeah, because there's grace. The same grace by which we stand is for you. That's the cry of our lives. And they go, and they're praising God. They're praising God, not just the 20, 30 minutes when we have music. They're praising God with everything they do. They're praising God when they drive. Some of you drive. You need to praise God when you drive because you're not driving right. Um, I watch you. It's my job. And they had favor with all the people. They were living in attractive faith. So you follow me, everyone will hate you. Yeah, they, other people will when they, reject, when they reject that. But many, many will be drawn because God saved many. He saved, they were praising God. They had a favor with the people and day by day, those, he added those who were being saved. You said, well, we, we, we have an invitation here to respond to God, to receive God every Sunday, but not day by day. We don't have... We don't have, uh, we have services every day. Church doesn't meet every day. Oh, yes, it does. What do you get tired of me saying at the end of every message? This service is ended, but church is just getting started. Everywhere you go, church is. Church is not a building. Church is not a service. You don't go to church. You are the church. It is our identity. It is not a corner of our life. It is our life to be the body of Christ. And they met in the temple courts and they met in homes. You'll see that. Which, which verse is that? I skipped over it and I didn't mean to. I just want you to take note. It's 46. Day by day, attending the temple together. That's the, the large group. They're meeting and in, in homes, the small group. Why do we have you in small groups? Because we need, here's, here's, here's where the fundamentalists often get it wrong. We want truth. We want truth. We want to learn facts about God, more facts about God. And that's good. We need to know God. We need to know God's word. But oftentimes, when we get into that mindset, mindset we stop short of applying the word with each other, doing life together. They had the large meetings. They had the small groups. 
We won't encourage you to just learn about God when it allows you to stay in isolation from each other. We've had people who've been learning about God and are still islands unto themselves. We can't do that. We have to do life together. If you're not in a small group, get in a small group. Meets in houses. They met in the temple courts. They met in homes. Connect. Big group. Learn. Be challenged. Small group. Apply. Live out. You lose one. Now, now we have other churches that are so into the community aspect that they've jettisoned the Word of God. We have some people who have so focused on the truth that they don't want to do the community that the truth calls us to. We got we to do both. Large gathering, come here. Small group in homes. It's good. Having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Shame on every church. Shame on us. When we get content We had a salvation this year. Oh, really? Great. The Spirit of God goes out, saves in large numbers, and saves day by day. God's call throughout the New Testament is go. Even when he called called Isaiah, he says, new nation. We got to stop thinking about Christianity as God just wanting to save people individually rather than creating a new creation of which we're blessed to be a part of. And we're blessed to be used to invite people to. We're not stopping. We're not diminishing. We're not running out of energy until the entire town, the people you work with, the people you go to school with, the people in your neighborhood, the people who creep you out, the people in the bars, the people who have weird hair, okay? I don't care until they know the hope of Jesus Christ because they've experienced it through you, they've heard it through you, they've come, they've heard the good news, they've been set free. I've never heard of a small town that is so overcome with the gospel that God is so glorified and people say, what the heck is going on there? I have never heard of a small public college where God has so broken out that people everywhere are saying, what is going on there? Not for our glory, for his Lord, we pray, give us this town for your son, Jesus. Lord, that you can glorify the Father. Lord, give us this college for your son, Jesus, that you may glorify the Father. Lord, we ask it all in your name. What makes this hang together? They understood the body of Christ. They understood the body of Christ. I saw a a documentary on conjoined twins. It was so beautiful. These men were in their 50s and they were joined at the hip. And they were through life with everything. And they would hug each other and they would kiss each other on the cheek. One would cry, the other one would comfort. And I thought, what a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. Something can't happen to one of them without it happening to the other. I thought about family. If one of my children... If my wife is hurting, my life is not okay. Not okay. But it's deeper than being conjoined twins. It is one body. One body. Not two joined at the hip. One body, you and I, in Christ. 
Why does the world not know Christ? Part of the reason may be that the church hasn't shown it to them by being one body. Not just a family. One. One. My head and my hand can't be happy if my foot is hurt. The great love for him, the great devotion to his word, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, it's all Jesus. It's a beautiful picture. It's thrilling. Don't be discouraged that we're not experiencing it now. Be broken over it and hopeful because God doesn't call us to that which he doesn't equip us for. The very promise of the filling of the Spirit is so that this might be reborn in you and me, in Bethany, right here, right now, so that God can do the same things here in our town and our college that he did in Acts chapter 2. Holy Spirit unleashed. Let's pray. Father, make us all deeply repentant. I have lived the life of normal for too long. Lord, I have been partially devoted. Forgive me. If you're praying with me, I have been devoted to your word as I want to. I want to be devoted to your word like the early church. I want to be devoted to the fellowship. I want to crave your word. I want to crave your people. I want to crave the breaking of the bread, both in meals and and in celebrating your death and resurrection on our behalf and prayer Lord I want to crave that I want to live life with an open hand not a clenched fist Lord I want your generosity to spill out through me I want to come to the end of myself because Jesus cleared the bank account out in heaven on my behalf and I can't be a follower of his unless I'm willing to do the same for those in whom your spirit lives Lord, I long to see many come, many, many come day by day because we're living out the gospel. We're sharing the hope with everyone we come in contact with. We're inviting people to come, hear the good news, and be set free. And then we'll all go out again and again and again. And people will see what's going on among us, between us, and you would call them to yourself. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you want that, you want that in your life like you've not had it, you're broken over it as I am, and you invite God to do that in you, you want more. You want that devotion. You want that movement of the Spirit. You want His salvation to go forth in your life and through your life. I'd ask you to raise your hand to God. He's recreating a people. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Hands going up. If you don't, if you don't, stay with us because you will. The Holy Spirit will work on you. Let's pray. Father, Father, we are broken before you. And we're confident of your mercy. And so we come to your throne and we say we haven't been the people you created us to be. We have not been the church that you want to work through in great and powerful and glorifying ways. We haven't loved the way you've called us to love. We haven't given the way you've called us to give. We haven't loved. But Lord, you have. And Lord, thank you for coming in. Wash us clean. Fill us with your spirit because only then can we be your people that glorify you mightily. Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do. 
not only in and through our lives, but every blessing that comes upon us to be not only to build us up, but to build others up, to meet their needs, to show them you. You're going to rock this town and this college. And the fact that you want to use us to do it just makes us so grateful and humble. Be unrestrained. We will join you in what you're doing. We'll hold nothing back. In Jesus' name, amen. Still praying. God is doing that for some of you here. Some of you have been on the sidelines of this relationship with Jesus Christ. He has put a call on your heart to belong to him, to come to him, to receive new life from him, to be set free, to be saved. You've heard about this life. You've heard about this Lord. You've heard about this spirit. And you don't want to just make a mental assertion, yes, that's true. You want it to be true in you and for you and through you. You want Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. The word has called to you. The spirit is pulsing in your heart. That's God speaking to you. You don't want to hold back. You want to follow him. And all that means If that's you, if the Spirit has placed His call on your life, I invite you now to say yes. I ask you to raise your hand to God if that's the desire of your heart. Say, I don't want to be apart from you. I want to be your child. God bless you. 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 Anyone else? I want to be you. I want to be yours. God bless you. I'll pray for you. Make this prayer yours, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place for my sins. I need you. Set me free, Lord, as only you can. From the sin in my life that you paid for, from Satan, from death, from every accusation in my past, cleanse me. Come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior, and I will follow you all the days of my life. And I want to be used by you to call others to yourself. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you for dying for my sins and give me new life.